Welcome to session 59 of the Law of One. This first part is going to be a conversation of a fascinating topic on Earth population and pyramids. More pyramids. Let's begin. This session is going to start with a question from Jim that has to do with anger. Then we're going to talk about population of Earth, which I believe is the most fascinating topic for me and all the speculation that we can make out of this. And then it's going to go into pyramids as we study more the spirals of energy in the pyramids. So those of you who love it are going to be excited. Those of you who are tired of pyramids, let me tell you that we still have another second part of session 59 and then session 60 is gonna still talk about pyramids at the beginning but then we take a break from pyramids for a while I think or maybe for the rest of the material I don't remember but in any case uh, this session starts with Don asking as usual how's Carla I didn't include those questions here in the slideshow but Don simply asks How's Carla? Ra says that she's doing as previously noted. And Don also asked about Carla being tired, but Ra doesn't say anything about that because they say that would be infringing upon the law of confusion, whatever that may be. Uh, it's something that was private or uh, they couldn't disclose. So they didn't respond to that. Then Don asked in question two something about Jim moving from where he was sitting, if that would benefit Carla. And Ra said, nope, categorically, nothing else, just no. And then we get into the third question, which is the first one I have here. And it's about Jim. Jim is the one asking the question. Don is reading it. And we'll get to that. It has to do with anger, which I believe has a fantastic teaching for all of us especially if you are like me so we're gonna get into that with a lot of importance i would say there's a lot of importance in this question so question three don asks i have a question from jim that states i think i have penetrated the mystery of my lifelong anger at making mistakes I think I have always been aware subconsciously of my abilities to master new learnings, but my desire to successfully complete my mission on Earth has been energized by the Orion group into irrational and destructive anger when I fail. Could you comment on this observation? Ra says, we would suggest that as this entity is aware of its position as a wanderer, it may also consider what pre-incarnative decisions it undertook to make regarding the personal or self-oriented portion of the choosing to be here at this particular time space. This entity is aware, as stated, that it has great potential, but potential for what? This is the pre-incarnative question. The work of Sixth Density is to unify wisdom and compassion. This entity abounds in wisdom, the compassion that it is desire of balancing has as its antithesis lack of compassion in the more conscious being this expresses or manifests itself 
as lack of compassion for self. We feel this is the sum of suggested concepts for thought which we may offer at this time without infringement. So, Ra picks its words very uh, careful. And first of all, let's get into Jim's question. This is something I'm very familiar with because I could say that I identify myself as somebody like that, or at least I used to identify myself as somebody like that. And I can, at this point in my process, I can still see the behaviors bubbling, but I don't allow them, of course, to, to fester, say, in me. They just bubble and I just see them as uh, the thoughts that they are. But before getting into my own experience, Jim is asking about his um, his propensity of getting angry when he fails at something because he knows his potential. So this, again, is when we feel frustrated by not accomplishing something, knowing that we can do way better, that we can do things better, that we have that potential, but we get frustrated and angry. And um, another important part of Jim's question is that he includes the Orion group as part of the element that exacerbates this behavior in him. Now let's pick the words that Ra used here, because I think it's important. They say, we would suggest that this ad, we would suggest, suggest that as this entity is aware of its position as a wanderer, it may also consider what pre-incarnative decisions it undertook to make regarding the personal or self-oriented portion of the choosing to be here at this particular time space, which means think about or reflect on your decisions as to why you came here, knowing that you're a wanderer. Why did you come here? What was your, your purpose? This is something that only you can answer, of course. And so reflect on that. Um, become, become aware of what were your, your decisions to come here. You can feel this. This is you. I mean, you don't you don't have to go to a guru, read books or watch YouTube videos to find this out. You only need to ask yourself. And so uh, what we find is that um, the OK, so they say this entity is aware, as stated, that it has a great potential, but potential for what? So this is, again, trying to um, poke Jim into into asking himself that question and Ross says potential for what this is the pre-incarnative question potential for what what did you what did you bring to the table here what is it that it is uh, that you brought and so on the second paragraph they say the work of sixth density is to unify wisdom and compassion so I think they let the cow the cat out of the bag here with saying that Maybe Jim is sixth density, because that's the work of sixth uh, density. But again, no, I'm speculating because this could also be fifth density. The work of sixth density is what you're trying to understand in fifth density, right? Just like we're trying to understand love and compassion, which is the work in fourth density or the status in fourth density. And the same thing happens from 56. So I don't know. 
In any case, uh, Ra says that this entity abounds in wisdom. So that's an overabundance of wisdom, of which I am also very familiar with. And this doesn't mean that I have a lot of wisdom, but rather that there is an imbalance between wisdom and compassion in myself. And I'm talking about myself now. But this is Jim as well. I think we all can relate to this. Um, and I'll mention something else at the, at the end of this paragraph. And so the compassion that it is desirous of balancing has as its antithesis. So basically saying that the compassion that Jim wants has as a manifestation of its opposite, a lack of compassion. So this is our behavior when we get angry with ourselves, when we get frustrated is a lack of compassion for the the weaknesses of the self or the those things again weakness is not something like a disability it's a potential for strengthening right we're not talking about human uh, weakness or physical weakness we're talking about metaphysical one and so in the more conscious being this expresses or manifests itself as lack of compassion for self that's what i just mentioned right now we feel this is the sum of suggested concepts for thought. Okay, so this is all we can say before infringing upon Jim's free will. So as a true master that Ra is, it's just giving the tools and showing those things that they see. And, you know, the, the, the take home here that we can take is uh, the the lack of compassion that we can have with ourselves when we get frustrated with the things that we know we can do better. And you see, this is the opposite of what we talked about before. And I think it was session 44, 45, where we talk about the martyr syndrome, which is the opposite, is an abundance of compassion and a lack of wisdom that manifests as somebody who wants to um, just give itself they're very naive they're too compassionate they're um, weak or um, sensitive rather to external stimuli and manipulation and all of this this is the uh, the martyrdom um, effect that that this imbalance has so this is the opposite. This is the wisdom um, weakness that it lacks compassion and that manifests, of course, with others when it's exacerbated to that point. And you can see how in, in the healing process, and I can speak this uh, for this myself, is that in, in the reversal process, let me call it the reversal process of I used to treat other people with lack of compassion because of my my own frustration of I would project myself out there and what happens is that you stop doing that because you realize how um, harmful that is for others but you don't realize how harmful it is for you and you continue to do it to yourself but then you catch yourself doing it to yourself and then you just allow it to be and you don't enter into into conflict with it. You just allow it to be. If you're angry, then you're angry and you observe it. You're frustrated, you're frustrated, and you observe it. This is the process of becoming aware of your own lack of compassion. And so naturally what balances it out is 
compassion for self. You begin to see the entity frustrated, just like you would see a child that is frustrated, and you don't treat it with um, with disdain or some uh, negative energy. Let's just call it. So you begin to, to have com compassion for yourself. Um, one of the things that I think is clarified here is that Jim mentions the Orion group and Ra has nothing to say about the Orion group. This reminds me of people who, um, when, when first presented with the raw material and hey, I'm here, I was me, that was me at the beginning. I would think that a lot of the things that were happening to me were um, propitiated by the uh, the Orion group, and you know I was I never felt completely under attack, but I felt that a lot of those things were the influence of the Orion group. But the truth of the matter is that while the Orion group makes use of your weaknesses, they don't provoke the weaknesses. You are your own weakness. And likewise, you are your own healer and strengthener. So this is all about you. It has nothing to do with the Orion group. I get a lot of people asking me or saying, I feel like I'm under attack by the Orion group. Uh, I think the Orion group has it for me because I keep having these dreams and I'm uh, the dreams are of negative this and that. All the Orion group can do is distort that which exists, distort, distort it further. So if you have some weakness or sensitivity, they will make use of that, but you are the one uh, originating it. So you see here, uh, Ra makes no mention of this because they go straight to the source and the source of all of this is Jim. So how does Jim feel about himself? And I think this is a much more insightful way than, and I love it from, from the different channelings and uh, the people that uh, make readings on you and so on, where they will externalize things and they won't go to the heart of the, uh, the essence of it, which is you, and explore yourself, right? I think that's the most efficient way to... Um, to become aware of your own evolved soul and from there then take charge. So this this is really appropriate for, for people who are at least those who uh, are like Jim or me, who have had this issue in the past and what's begging is just more compassion with the self. Forbet forget about compassion with others without compassion for the self. You're working uh, backwards here which is, I mean, I'm not saying don't have compassion for others, of course. I'm saying that forget about it if you don't have compassion for yourself. So whenever you catch yourself being um, nasty at you or feeling uh, down because of some self-judgment, then try to seek the antithesis of that lack of compassion, which is compassion, is love, is understanding, is, um, is nurturing of the self. So all right, we go into question four. And here we're going to get into the, the fascinating population questions. Don says, at the end of the second major cycle, there were a few hundred thousand people incarnate on Earth. 
there are over 4 billion incarnate today. Where the 4 billion people who incarnate today were... Were they in the Earth planes, but not incarnate at the time, at that time? Or did they come in from elsewhere during the last 25,000 year cycle? So Ra says, there were three basic divisions of origin of these entities. Firstly, and primarily, those of the planetary sphere you call Maldek, having become able to take up third density once again, were gradually loosed from self-imposed limitations of form. Secondly, there were those of other third density entrants or neophytes whose vibratory patterns matched the Terran experiential nexus. These then filtered in through incarnative processes. I feel like I'm reading today really choppy. <laughs> Let me uh, self-correct that. Deep breath. Uh, <laughs> so the question is about the origin of the souls we have here on Earth population. And let's do a recap because we haven't talked about this in a long time, probably since session 20s uh at the closest definitely in the teens but all right the recap is as follows third density starts and it runs for 75 75,000 years it is divided into three major cycles the 75,000 year cycle being a great cycle or at least that's the nomenclature that we use in the law of one it's also called the Great Year and perhaps the Yugas in the Hindu system. Uh, but in any case, we're talking about Law of One. This is 25,000 year cycle. And we are at the end of the Great Cycle, the 75,000 year cycle. And of course, the third major cycle ending as well, because that's just the end. And this is the end of the end. <laughs> um, the end of Third Density, of course. The apocalypse is here, the revealing, the unveiling, the removal of the veil of forgetting. Oh, so much we can say about that. I have a series running, which is called Concepts of the Law of One, and I recently talked about the veil of forgetting. Go watch it if you haven't. I'll probably forget to leave a link here. If not, then you'll watch it here. If not, go look it up, veil of forgetting. Fascinating stuff. So. Uh, Don asks about the, you know, the, they said that this, at the second, so we got to start here. Let's say that the second major cycle ended 25,000 years ago, right? 50,000 years into third density. There are, there were at that time, a few hundred thousand people on earth. However, over the last 25,000 years, this is what Don is asking. We have now uh, 4 billion right now. So his question is, where were the over, this confuses me, were the over 4 billion people who are incarnate today, were they, yeah, because it's a conversation of course, and it looks like, I would think the where there was where, where did they came from? <laughs> um, but okay, so were these, uh, 4 billion people. Now compare 100,000, right? Six figure with uh, 4 billion. Now that's, uh, I, I can't, 
how many how many figures is that is that three six nine twelve i don't know uh eleven <laughs> something like that so hundred thousand versus four billion that's a lot um so where do they come from did they come from elsewhere during the last twenty five thousand years and Ra says that there were three basic divisions of origin. I don't think I I read no, the second paragraph. Okay. So there were three basic divisions. Um, the first one primarily is from Maldic. Recap here. Remember Maldic is or was the planet between Mars and Jupiter and which Apparently now, this is not said in the Law of One, but we can um, we can deduce this that the asteroid belt is the remnants of this uh, Maldic planet, and some people say that the comets are actually um, parts of the sea or the waters that once uh, inundated Maldic. So it was a third density planet exploded because the people were belligerent in their nature or at least their development and so all this population was taken to uh, by the confederation after a long there's a long uh, discussion i'll probably leave a link here uh for maldic let me just leave notes so i don't forget but and these um these maldecans destroy their planets and then um Again, go watch the videos if you haven't, and or if you want to refresh on the whole story, but they were brought here to Earth, and they incarnated as Bigfoot, or at least what Don called Bigfoot. Ra said that they didn't like much of the term Bigfoot for this, but that was the closest we got, I think, and so they used it, but what they said was that they were enclosed in a second density body, by their own free will, they decided to be incarnate in second density bodies, uh, much more advanced, of course, than simple insects and mammals and so on, but definitely not third density um, humans here on Earth. And, you know, that what happens to them, I don't know, um, people can speculate all they want, but the thing is that they were brought here, okay? So, um, so as they became more, this is where we uh, return to the paragraph and the answer of question four, where Ra says that having become able to take up third density form, I'm adding this here, once again, were gradually loosed from self-imposed limitations of form. You see that self-imposed limitation of form is what I said that through their free will, they decided to be um, in second density vehicles. And so uh, they were gradually loosed, let out of this self-imposed limitation of form, and so they incarnated as humans. Secondly, there were those of other third density entrants or neophytes whose vibratory patterns matched the Terran experiential nexus. So these, um, um, these enter through incarnative processes. This second category are those who are coming from other planets here. And they are coming because they match the vibratory pattern of third density. Now, I, I'm not sure 
actually I am at least aware that because this can mean two things okay remember second density entities graduate to third density um, if they are like from the planet of Deneb which is in session 10 or session 13 somewhere around there um, uh, that planet for some reason because of the the sun was dying or something like that they had to go into third density on another planet and they were um, transported here or uh, they were transferred here so they were fresh second density graduates to third density so does that mean these are those plus others or does this also include repeaters from other planets so entities who don't make the graduation after 75,000 years which is the vast majority on planet earth so far as we know it um just like the people here in third density will have to repeat on another planet so from other planets they came here and i believe this second category uh, includes both that's my speculation it's not explicit here but i would think that and so the last part of this answer is Ra saying, thirdly, this is the third category, uh, they say, in the past approximate 200 of your years, you have experienced much visiting of the wonders. It may be noted that, at, that all possible opportunities for incarnation are being taken at this time due to your harvesting process and the opportunities which this offers. So wonders, again, we knew from... 1981 when Ra was channeled that we had around 65 million wonders. How many more wonders do we have now? Well, we have an answer from Kuo, which I won't reveal yet, but we we have we have an idea. Plus, the, the population, this deserves a video on its own, just really talking about all of this. But let's um let's glance over the numbers and the numbers get more interesting as don asks the next question so i'm not gonna keep talking as we read don's question question five he says just to clarify that could you tell me approximately how many total mind body spirit complexes were transferred to earth at the beginning of this last seventy-five thousand year period so um this is uh, this is the last 25,000 years if I read his question properly. Ra says, the transfer, as you call it, has been gradual. Over two billion souls are those of Maldic, which have successfully made the transition. Approximately 1.9 billion souls have, from many portions of the creation, entered into this experience at various times. The remainder are those who have experienced the first two cycles upon this sphere or who have come in at some point as wanderers. Some wanderers haven't been in this sphere for many thousands of your years, others haven't come far more recently. Well, we have numbers, which I love. Now, uh, let's talk about 1981 and then we'll extrapolate to present day. And we only have one number, which is relevant. Okay. 1981, we had around 4.5 billion people on Earth. That was the population back then. 
Now we're close to 8 billion, seven and a half or so. But let's, let's work with the numbers in 1981. We had over 2 billion souls. So half of the planet <laughs> in 1981 was from Maldic. So is this Earth or Maldic? Well, <laughs> that's a good question, right? Um, that's a huge number, my friend. That's a huge number. Then, if that wasn't enough, approximately 1.9 billion souls. So let's round that up to 2 billion. We have 4 point odd, whatever the the over on the 2 billion souls of Maldic is. We have over 4 billion souls that are not native to this planet. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, from many portions of the creation, they have entered into this experience at various times. Now, I know you may be asking, Gabe, how could you say that? You're being discriminating. You know, no, no, no. I'm using it for scientific purposes here to talk about consciousness and the, the consciousness of this planet plus the beauty, ah, the beauty of Earth. Ah, it's just fantastic. It's, it's such a such a privilege to be among this madness that we live in. <laughs> Um, all right, so Ra continues and says, the remainder, and I mean, if we talk about remainder, I'm so eager to find what's the actual number. Let's find out. Let's do it together. Um, 1981 population Earth. What do we have? Um, in 1981, the exact number was four and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's... Um, that's a fair roundup. It's four four point five three six nine nine six. So it doesn't matter. Four and a half billion. So the other uh, three hundred. I don't know why I get the number three hundred. Yeah. Uh, of those sixty five million, were wanderers. This is a number that Ra gave us at that time, and uh, that was. 65 million, so we're... I, I just don't know how many millions are from, from this sphere, right? Because that's the third category. The remainder are those who have experienced the first two cycles upon this sphere, okay? So Earth um, natives, or who have come in at some point as wanderers. And some wanderers been here for thousands of years. That only shows that wanderers have been here for thousands of years, but their influx is only recent. Their, uh, not influx, but the majority of influx of wanderers is coming from, from recent years. Now, again, this is splitting the population of Earth of, the vast majority is not from Earth. Now, why did I make the joke of me probably sounding a little bit um, like discriminating? Well, first of all, I don't even know if I'm from Maldic. I could be, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not laughing at anybody in particular. I'm laughing at the 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 um, what, what's the what's the phrase the uh, the melting pot that Earth is. At this point, having population from Maldic, which um, destroyed their planet, I believe 
part of that 1.9 billion souls from other portions of the creation must be including the one from Mars. Uh, I don't know why Rod didn't mention Mars here, but it must be included there because that was a lot of people too. And I don't know how big their population was, but Maldek was definitely a huge population for some reason. That is crazy, the amount of people that were there. Um, it's a good question to know if there were wanderers in Maldek at the time of explosion. So many questions, I mean, we could ask, but I don't think they're that relevant to soul evolution, just curiosity for us. But in any case, we're talking about um, the vast majority, if not all, of population on Earth. This is um, 1981. Now, we have almost double the amount, almost, should I call it, like uh, another 3 billion people on Earth for the past 40 years. So in the last 40 years, we have had uh, a, a tremendous amount of people coming in. Now, I was curious about if we had information of the Confederation stating recent numbers on the Wanderers. And as of 2018, March, I will leave a link to that channel link in the description if you're interested. Kuo said that the amount of wanderers here in 2018 was about 350 million. So we haven't increased that much in wanderers. That's been some from 65. I mean, yes, 300 millions almost. And I would think at this time we're getting close to the 300 and something uh, top highest 390s, maybe 380s. I don't know. But uh, yeah, these um, this number of wonders is not. Uh, I mean, well, let's see. It has increased at least five times, right? That would be over, maybe even six times over what was in 1981, and the population of Earth has increased almost double. So we have 350 million wonders here. Where are the others coming from? It's a good question. It is important to remember that after the threshold of 2012, we have even more graduates from third density coming from other parts of the planet of uh, the galaxy. And maybe other galaxies, who knows? But at least from our galaxy, most likely our neighboring stars. Third density planets who made the transition into fourth density, they can choose where to go and they're coming here for an early fourth density experience. So we have a lot of those too. This is also, I believe, in the channeling of cool that I have there. And again, you know where to find it. Um, so the population of Earth is mixed to say the least. We have Maldic, Mars, we have Wanderers, we have graduates from other planets, we have natives and we have graduates from second density to third density coming into planet. Now, what does this all mean? Why am I rambling on all of this? Because you have to understand the consciousness of the planet, which Ra mentioned over 40 years ago, was very orange ray oriented, which means that they're very self-oriented. This is the nature of consciousness in uh, on planet Earth. 
This is going to change over time as those who didn't make the graduation from Maldek or Mars are going to repeat. Um, it's going to change as more graduates from third density come into planet Earth for four density. The reason why a vast majority of them are coming here is because they we need to populate this Earth, this four density planet. And if the graduates or the potential graduates the students of planet Earth are not making the transition, then guess what? Other parts of the creation are going to come here and uh, populate the planet. So at present, we're looking at a very, very intense orange and yellow ray population um, dissipating gradually as the four density transition happens and they can no longer sustain this. I just recorded a podcast talking about this particular topic of the dissolution of the global ego. Um, I call it the collective uh, ego meltdown. And this, um, this, this transition is making it very difficult for the 3D repeaters that are going to have to repeat and there are, uh, are not simply not seeing the truth of our reality, that we're unity. And we have war still, and it's it's unbelievable that in 2022 we still have war. That's just so obsolete and outdated. It, it feels shameful <laughs> to a degree that we humans are still at war. Uh, it's we got rid of slavery, but we still have war. That doesn't pan out in consciousness. So why is this? Because we haven't make up the uh, the lessons here. So. Again, I, I can talk about this for a while, but I just wanted to emphasize the point that the population of Earth, distinct from other planets, is very mixed and their consciousness is all mixed with us. This is why also, and this is the last point I would, um, um, I would highlight here, is that we are also sensitive to their consciousness. In fact, we as entities, no matter if we're wanderers or repeaters or graduates from third or second density, it doesn't matter. We are aware entities. We are aware, at least to the point that we can understand this philosophy, that we can understand this uh, taxonomy of the creation. And if we are able to do this, we are able to perceive our responsibility as people who are sensitive and open-hearted enough to admit and take charge of those things that are us that make us and are that are really not us but we're absorbing from the consciousness so our propensities anxieties depressions and so on all of this is the energy that we're taking to ourselves and transmuting it again independent of our origin i don't think that's useful the only thing that brands us as conscious entities is our awareness of consciousness and consciousness i mean the global consciousness and of our own makeup our own uh, weaknesses and our sensitivities and the things that we consider to be negative the darkness in us let's just put it that way so anyhow, uh, I think I rambled enough of this. Let's go into question six and um, change topics. Let's go to pyramids again. 
Don says, I'm trying to understand the three spirals of light in the pyramid shape. I would like to question on each. The first spiral starts below the queen's chamber and ends in the queen's chamber. Is that correct? Ra says, this is incorrect. The first notion of upward spiraling light is as that of the scoop. The light energy being scooped in through the attraction of the pyramid shape through the bottom or base. Thus, the first configuration is a semi-spiral. Okay, so let's do a refresher on pyramids now. <laughs> um, all right, so Don is really interested in the workings of the energy inside the pyramid, that light that is being funneled by the shape of the pyramid. And he makes a statement saying or question that the spiral, the first spiral ends at the queen's chamber. This is not so as we have explored in previous images and um, I forgot if it was session 56, 57, 55, somewhere around there. I uh, talked about the pyramids and we showed that little image of the, that Jim made actually, Jim McCarthy, and that I kind of doodled in my, my board. But what's really important here is to see that the pyramid acts as a funnel of energy. And the first is a semi-spiral coming from the bottom, from the resonating chamber underneath the pyramid, right? And from here, it starts uh, to concentrate the prana, the light, intelligent energy, and it forms a semi-spiral. So that would be the first configuration that Ra is talking about here. And this is the first notion of upward spiraling light uh, the first notion of upward spiraling light, upward spiraling light is something that they're going to clarify in a little bit, so I won't talk about that. But this is the scooping. It's a concentration, focusing of the energy. The light energy being scooped in through the attraction of the pyramid shape through the bottom or base. This is a good moment to refresh on the idea that it is the shape of the pyramid that causes the concentration of energy and not the pyramid itself as it is built you know from solid material and this and that it's just the shape we have found and i'll make this uh remark here we have found these shapes everywhere in our um biology in our firing of neurons you can see these um these patterns being created the pattern I'm talking about is an octahedron, which again, the pyramid is a tetrahedron, an octahedron being two pyramids, right? But we find the same shape. The photon itself has a uh, star tetrahedron, which is two tetrahedrons, one upside down and the other one intersecting the other. Uh, so we have that in our photon. The photon is what creates everything. So what we're talking about here is that geometry is intrinsically the um, the generator of of I, I don't want to use the word matter but the geometry is the the one that generates the coherence the harmony right that is needed for for anything to exist from atoms to people to planets and all the way up to the universe itself is geometrically uh arrayed in that even the galaxies have a a 
beautiful position in, guess what, octahedrons, two tetrahedrons. So in any case, I don't know why I'm going uh, on a rant here, but it's uh, it's the pyramid, the, the shape of the pyramid itself that causes this funneling of energy. It's just creating coherence. That's all you have to know here. The pyramid is creating coherence of the infinite or nigh-infinite abundance of energy that exists in the universe. So we'll explore that further. Question seven. Don says, would this be similar to the vortex you get when you release the water from a bathtub? So this is that uh, circling of the water. As we release it from the bathtub, Ra says, this is correct, except that in the case of this action, the cause is gravitic, whereas whereas the in the case of the pyramid, the vortex is that of upward spiraling light being attracted by the electromagnetic fields engendered by the shape of the pyramid. So again, the shape of the pyramid is what's causing this, um, this focusing of light, right? The vortex, and while the water in the bathtub is a phenomenon on gravity pulling down and causing this this spiral in the pyramid is the shape that causes the um the upper spiraling light that is attracted by the electromagnetic vibration or coherence that the shape creates so the electromagnetic field that it creates is the one that in fact gives coherence to to the energy and so geometry is very important that's why we have sacred geometry so we're going to explore further here question eight don says then the first spiral after this semi-spiral is the spiral used for study and healing relative to the queen's chamber position where does this first spiral begin and end ra says the spiral which is used for study and healing begins at or slightly below the queen's chamber position depending upon your, your earth and cosmic rhythms. It moves through the king's chamber's position in a sharply delineated form and ends at the point whereby the top approximate third of the, th of the pyramid may be seen to be intensifying the energy. So from the bottom comes the uh, the funneling of the energy, the first semi-spiral. That first semi-spiral ends at the bottom of the queen's chamber or at the queen's chamber, right? So that spiral is ending there, that semi-spiral. At that point, it's opening what is called the first spiral. That first spiral goes through the queen's chamber and the king's chamber and ends above the king's chamber. That would be those chambers that are on top of the king's chamber, I believe. And these uh, these spirals, or this spiral, this first spiral, is the one that is used for uh, healing, studying, and initiation. That are mentioned initiation, but I suppose studying is a form of initiation, or initiation is a form of study. In any case, we know that the queen's chamber is used for initiation. So initiation, study, and healing are the properties of this first spiral that ends above the king's chamber, still within the pyramid. So that's um, that's how it works. Um, I don't think there's much to say here. It depends on... Uh, but that's only where 
uh, it begins the, this first spiral could be at or slightly below the queen's chamber depending on our earth and cosmic rhythms i'm not sure how that affects it or how that uh, influence causes it to slightly begin uh, a higher or lower level but that's beyond my pay rate don says in the next question now the first spiral is obviously different somehow than the second and third spirals since they have different uses and different properties the second spiral then starts at the end of the first spiral and goes up i assume to the apex of the pyramid is that correct ross says this is partially correct the large spiral is drawn into the vortex of the apex of the pyramid however some light energy which is the more intense nature is of the more intense nature of the red shall we say end of the spectrum is spiral once again causing an enormous strengthening and focusing of energy which is then of use for building so this is the second spiral if i read that correctly um the second yes the second spiral then starts at the end of the first and goes up to the apex and that is um that is correct partially correct i don't know why partially correct but what matters is that this spiral goes from the top of the king's chamber all the way to the apex of the pyramid and maybe this is the partially correct part of it and the un or incorrect part is because some light energy which is of the more intense nature of the red uh, end of the spectrum is spiraled once again causing an enormous strengthening and focusing of energy which is then used for building so you see in the pyramid they didn't make use of this and we'll see why um i'm not sure how this energy can be used for building um this is the second spiral again within the pyramid right before it leaves the pyramid at the apex at the top and this is because of the nature of the red end of the spectrum which is intensified at this point so I need more information here. I don't know if they talk about this later on, but this is the the use for building in the light energy that is produced in, in the pyramid. Some of you pyramid junkies can tell me a little bit about this. I know that the studies that people make or have made in the, in the pyramid of Giza is just fantastic. And it does resonate a lot with what Ra says here. So. It's, um, it's a little bit more of historical context on the external, whereas he and the raw material were talking about the inner works of the pyramid and the reason why they were created. <laughs> what other uses they did or had with the pyramid, I don't know, weren't vouched by the Confederation. Certainly not by Ra. So in any case, question 10, Don says, and then the third spiral radiates from the top of the pyramid. Is this correct? Ra says, the third complete spiral does so. This is correct. It is well to reckon with the foundation semi-spiral, which supplies the prana for all that may be affected by the three following upper spiralings or spirals of light. So just um, a little reminder there from Ra that um, it, is, it is well to reckon with the foundation, <laughs> with the foundation semi-spiral. So basically, the semi-spiral at the bottom that 
supplies the prana, that intensification, that focusing of energy. So the spirals form with the top part of it. For all that may be affected by the three following upper spirals of light. So there is a relationship. They don't talk about the relationship that exists between the semi-spiral, which is the one that accumulates everything and supplies the prana, and the top of the pyramid, that third spiral that starts actually at the apex of the pyramid and goes up, radiates out. And that's the one we use for energizing. For example, that small pyramid um, practice or use that we can have with small pyramid to energize the body, no more than 20 minutes or 30 minutes, Ra says. So let's go on with pyramids. Question 11, Don says, now I am trying to understand what happens in this process. I'll call the first semi-spiral zero position and the other three spirals, one, two, and three. The first spiral being study and healing. What change takes place in light from the zero position into the first spiral that makes that first spiral available for healing and study? Really good question. Ra says, the prana scooped in the pyramid shape gains coherence of energetic direction. The term upward spiraling light is an indication not of your up and down concept, but an indication of the concept of that which reaches towards the source of love and light. Thus, all light or prana is upward spiraling. But its direction, as you understand this term, is unregimented and not useful for work. So, <laughs> a little bit of a confusing um, answer here from Ra. Because Don is asking, uh, the question is phenomenal, I think. They, he wants to know what happens to light that differentiates the different spirals. Why are they different from each other, the spirals themselves? And so, I think this has to do with the nature of the changes in the usefulness of energy within the spirals as um, as there can be many, infinite perhaps, and I have my, my reason to believe that, but this is the question that Don asks, you know, what changes in in the light from, from spiral to spiral basically? For example, that one is useful for healing and study, and that would be um, the first one. Again, I have my speculation, but first, what Ra says is that the prana scooped by the pyramid shape gains coherence of energetic direction. What is this energetic direction? Well, first, see how they say the upward spiraling light is an indication of uh, the concept that reaches towards the source of love and light, which is the Creator. It is not our up and down, it has nothing to do with that. Um, so all light or prana is actually upper spiraling, but the direction as we understand it is unregimented and not useful for work. This is the part that confuses me. When they say is unregimented and not useful for work. Maybe some of you know how to decipher this one. I honestly don't. Um, I know that the upper spiraling um, concept the up, is upper spiraling, but its direction, as we understand it, is unregimented and not useful for work. 
I mean, I understand that it's unregimented that it doesn't have a direction in our three coordinates of space, you know, um, our three-dimensional space. That makes sense to me. Um, why it's not useful for work? Maybe because it's it's just pure. It's simply there, just like... Okay, so Prana is this sea of space that exists. Uh, as long as there is space, there is Prana. That is just the nature of this, our uh, our reality. The, the fabric of reality is pure Prana. So that is unregimented and not useful for work, I suppose. That's my best guess here. Because usefulness, it's knowing and it's April. And yeah, <laughs> it's still snowing here in Pennsylvania. Um, that's fantastic. I love it. And flowers don't care. Flowers just keep coming out and they say, we're here. It's spring. We don't care about the snow. <laughs> this forest is just magical. Anyway, anyway, um, we, um, we're talking about this. Right, so the upper spiraling light is simply the prana that is there, right? This is the best guess I can make. And its direction is unregimented and not useful for work, but when we put it into work with a shape, like the pyramid, then it creates something. And I think we're going to explore that a little bit, so I won't get ahead of myself. But that I think this is what Ra is mentioning here in terms of... This really doesn't answer Don's question. Not directly, but at least they're giving the indication that the energy itself is useful, useful for work once it goes into the process of concentration in a specific shape. Um, and that would change, I don't know. I really don't know why they didn't answer Don's question directly, but just gave this answer. But that's all we can get here. It's not a direction that we know here, the upper spiraling light. We know that the upper spiraling light actually is just the coal from the creator. And that coal is manifested as evolution, evolution of energy. As I have explained several times, I, I'd like to see this creation as energy, simple energy that is moving through this upward spiraling light. And in its wake, it's creating matter, beings, animals, uh, angels, planets, stars, black holes, and so on. And that is just the nature of creation, the upper spiraling lights. That's what it creates. But when we want to use it for work, then we need to concentrate it somehow. And that concentration is what we'll get into, at least before we end the session. I mean, this part, the first part, we're going to have to leave a lot material of pyramids for the second part. So question 12, Don says, could I assume then that from all points in space, light radiates in our illusion outward in a 360 solid angle? And this scoop shape with the pyramid, then this scoop shape with the pyramid then creates the coherence to this radiation as a focusing mechanism. Is this correct? We know that this is precisely correct as Ra said. So question 13, then the first spiral has a different factor of cohesion, you might say, than the second. What is the difference between this first and second spiral? Ha, here's the question. 
Ra says, as the light is funneled into what you term the zero position, it reaches the point of turning. This acts as a compression of the light, multiplying tremendously its coherence and organization. So we have a little bit more of an indication here. Uh, first, in question 12, Don simply asks what I have explained already, that he's just verifying that the concentration of energy is due to the pyramid and that simply acts as a funnel for this uh, meaning that the prana is emanating from every single point as we know it it's not really emanating i would say i think that's a useful way to visualize it but i like to say that you see this is an ocean of prana we live in an ocean of prana this is the whole universe it includes everything you know black matter dark matter dark energy whatever whatever we want to call it all of that it's prana prana is there at least from my understanding and you know it's just sitting there not doing anything it is until consciousness starts to this is the collapsing of the wave function we um we we collapse reality when you close your eyes everything goes away it's only when you open your eyes and see it that you collapse it again and you say oh there it is it's there again you close your eyes you open them again a kid notes this <laughs> you see a kid playing they do this you know they're collapsing everything and they're releasing it and collapsing it and releasing it and they have fun they they laugh we can do that too so in any case that's the prana emanating 360 all around us and the pyramid is just making it uh, available for work as Ra is mentioning here following up on Don's question when Don asked about the difference between the first and second spiral and Ra says as the light is funneled into what you term the zero point or the zero position which is that first um, confluence of energy at the top of the semi-spiral or the beginning of the first spiral which starts at the queen's chamber or around there and Ra says this acts as a compression of the light multiplying tremendously its coherence and organization so this coherent and organization starts at the zero point that Don called the, uh, the zero point at the semi-spiral, right? And then that multiplies it tremendously in coherence and organization. Now keep those words in mind because, well, Don is going to mention them again here in question 14 where he says, then is the coherence and organization multiplied one more, once more at the start of the second spiral? Is there just a doubling effect or an increasing effect? Good question. Ross says, this is difficult to discuss in your language. There is no doubling effect, but a transformation across boundaries of dimension so that light, which was working for those using it in space-time, time-space configuration, becomes light working in what you might consider an interdimensional time-space, space-time configuration. This causes an apparent diffusion and weakness of the spiraling energy. However, in position two, as you have called it, much work may be done interdimensionally. I believe this is the portion of, um, spoiler alert, I'm talking about this session, maybe next session, 
I forget where, I think it's this session where they talk about uh, aging, which we know it's an effect in the pyramids. That's why they later, later used them as uh, tombs because they thought, you know, they could live forever there, you know, superstitions. Hey, listen, once you don't pay attention uh, to the law of one in Egypt and you forget what it was about, you start doing some irrational stuff like thinking you can preserve uh, the dead there. Anyhow, uh, far from me to uh, criticize, I don't know what they did. They, they said that's the reason. Uh, certainly not the pyramid of, at Giza, the Great Pyramid. That was done for initiation, healing, and all of that stuff. But maybe down the line they forgot what it was to use for, and they just said, oh, let's just put dead people in there. And they built pyramids for that, which are very different than the Giza Pyramid. Anyhow, we... We have a very heavy answer here, and we'll have to end it with this this question. So, where do we start? Don says that he speculates, he, um, he guesses that the energy, once it reaches the top of the spiral, the first spiral, then it doubles or increases its effect for the second spiral. And Rav says that he doesn't say, or they don't say, that this is correct or incorrect. They just say that it's very difficult to discuss in our language. Why? Because if you read this, you can see, well, first they're saying, they're saying that there is no doubling effect, but a transformation across boundaries of dimension. So that light, which was working for those using it in the physical, basically, to the metaphysical, becomes light that is useful for the metaphysical interdimensionally from metaphysical to the physical configuration. So what does this all mean? I'll get, I'm going to give you one illustration, my mind illustration, how I see it. Um, we can. I'm going to first tell you what I can read directly to this. And second, I'm going to give you my illustration. So. Ra also says that this causes an apparent diffusion and weakness of the spiraling energy, apparent from the physical. Remember, if it's apparent, it is from the physical, not from the metaphysical. So the diffusion and weakness of the spiraling energy in the second spiral, it, it seems to us like it's losing energy, but in fact, it's because it's being useful for metaphysical purposes. That's why they say in position two, much work may be done interdimensionally metaphysically. Now, what do I read directly from this? Once we reach the second spiral, the energy becomes useful from time space to space time. Whereas in the first spiral, and we can definitely click this in, it was useful for space time into time space. Why? Studying, healing, initiation, all of these have to do with the manifested form into the unmanifested form. It's work done from the physical to the metaphysical, right? So the first spiral does that work, is from the physical to the metaphysical. Whereas in the second one, it reverts itself. And why is it used for building? I don't know. Could this, um, could these, could this have to do with the building of the pyramids as well, that energy, maybe? I have a speculation in my illustration in a little bit. 
and which you can see in my board doodled up there. Um, but this is what they're saying. There is a physical usefulness of the first spiral from physical to metaphysical, from visible to invisible, and then the opposite at the top for interdimensional work. Now, what do I see here? I see that there is a relationship, if you pay attention to what the work is being done within the pyramid, there is the foundation, the root of the pyramid, supplying prana. You see? What else do we have in our model that is supplying prana to an object? Let's call ourselves an object, the body. The body gets from its roots the prana, right? From muladhara, from the root chakra, red ray energy center. This is just like the pyramid. Now, what is the first work we do in the pyramid? We do study, initiation, healing. All of that is related to the three lower energy centers, red, orange, and yellow. Sounds familiar? So healing happens in those three, initiation happens in those three, and learning obviously happens in those three. What other thing we know? These three energy centers are equal to the physical, to the manifested form. Okay, so what is the second spiral? The second spiral starts, I would call, at the heart of the pyramid, just like at the heart of ourselves. Now we're talking about metaphysical. Go to the densities of consciousness and you will see the same thing. Matter is only perceived as matter up to third density. On fourth density, we become light bodies. So this is the transcendence from the physical to the metaphysical. Same thing that has happened in the pyramid. So these two energy centers, green and blue, are the ones that are used in uh, spiritual work, interdimensional work. Does that sound familiar to what we just read? I think it's a perfect analogy to what we're seeing. And the energy centers are a good um, mirror here for the pyramid work. Now, I would even go further to say that the indigo ray is equal to the apex of the pyramid. In fact, in the last session, Ra mentioned that the those, those who bend metal and do other things, they're using the same type of energy as the top of the pyramid, which is the one that they use for bending metals and levitating and all of this stuff which is only useful in 4th, 5th, and 6th density. Not here, but they remember. And so... Snow is hitting hard. Um, so, we have um, we have a lot of snow. This, um, um, this indigo ray is equal to the apex. And what else happens at the apex? There is an energizing. That would be, to me, equal to the violet ray, that aura that is created. That um, overabundance of energy that is created at the top, which is energizing. So, again, I don't know how useful this may be for the studying of pyramids, but it's, um, it's, a, it's a clear relationship that I find, and I wanted to mention it here. So...
with that, I'm going to cut it here. This is going to be the end of first part. We have at least 13, no, 10 more questions. Um, all about pyramids for part two. And conclusions. Two things that are important for me. We talk about pyramids a lot, so I won't mention pyramids at the conclusions here. But the two things that fascinated me of this first part were, first, the anger management. This is real anger management, which is how do you manage it? With compassion, with love of yourself. You are only getting angry at yourself. You see, I, I recently had, uh, I'll give you uh, a little anecdote of what happened to me. I played a song of a girl that dedicated me this song. She broke my heart. And I felt, uh, you know, you know what it is when romantically you get your heart broken. Such a beautiful song, and it elicited in me this, this, this feeling, this sensation. In the past, I would have associated it with, I, I haven't, you know, fully let go of this girl. Uh, I love her, and that is a way of saying it. Now. What was really happening, and I realized this, this is just about a week ago, not even. Um, what was really happening is that, and I realized that, I mean, I haven't played this long in a while, so I, I recently, you know, just played it and I said, wow, what is flowing now, my understanding of it is much broader than before, limited still, but broader. And I realized that I was in love with myself because of the story. I know you hear a lot that you're only in love with yourself or the other person. You only love yourself when you are with the other person. But who is you? Well, who you are is the story that you're telling yourself at the moment. So, you know, were you in love with the person you were at the time? Or were you in love more accurately with the story you were telling yourself that you were next to that person that's what was happening so in any case i was just uh projecting myself onto her as a story and that's why she broke my heart she broke my story <laughs> that story was false so you see this is um the same thing that happens when we get angry with other people oh we can say you know i'm angry at the other person just like you can say, oh, I'm in love with the other person. No, you're angry at the story that you're telling yourself of the other person. So what's left is compassion. Just like in my case, what was left was the um, balance of love that I had. The balance of love was of the possibility, at least that's how I manage it. Um, the the tremendous capacity that we have to create stories, fantastic stories, beautiful stories that we can uh, incarnate and live within an incarnation. It's almost like a holographic projection of ourselves into something that doesn't exist, but we enjoy it. When we do it ignorantly, we suffer. When we do it knowingly, then we enjoy it. And so anger can be seen that way. So in terms of anger, frustration, uh, speaking from a from a point where I'm still looking at this, you. My best advice at this is that you only see it, you observe it. 
of course, people are going to say, no, you have to do something about it. But that something is entering in conflict because you are to do something about it. You must first put as a, as a foundation the fact that you are not that, that you somehow need to uh, eradicate that from you. And that is you. You just need to have compassion on yourself. You just need to understand yourself in the situation. And so that is that is one of the ways, at least, that I would recommend this doing. Uh, but it it still begs, you know, the the need for for love, self love. With that, I go to the end where I say thank you, as usual, for watching all of this or listening to this, depending on which platform you are consuming my content. Uh, don't forget to check if you're interested in the population of Earth. Just that channeling I will leave in the description and those videos that I will leave also for your enjoyment on Maldek. Uh, a very late reminder, but remember you can use the time uh, stamps here in YouTube so you can navigate the questions if you're interested in a particular question on any session. I do that for your pleasure. And check the description box for anything else that might interest you there. There is material. You can download the books if you haven't. I find a lot of people asking me questions. Where can I download the books? The books are free in LNL Research website. Go download them there and other stuff. I'm done talking. Thank you so much. We still have part two to cover more pyramids. I'll see you then.